Welcome to the Black Lives Living Podcast. We discuss the societal, cultural and structural issues black people face in the UK, focusing on the positive experiences while highlighting the negatives and discussing what we can do to address them. Hopefully we can all learn a thing or two. Enjoy the episode. Nikki, introduce yourself, please. Hello, I'm Nikki. Uh, I'm from Hemel Hempstead originally, which is Hertfordshire. Um, I've travelled a lot, spent a lot of time in different countries, um, and spent about eight years living in London before I moved down to East Sussex. Woke. Yeah. <laughs> Where we met. Um, yeah. My name's Flavian. Um, I'm from... Kenya originally moved here when I was 15 now I live in East Sussex where I met Nikki um I've lived in Surrey Hampshire and now East Sussex so yeah I've been quite lucky living in the south south of England weather's nearly as good as Kenya but not quite (laughs) (laughs) find that hard to believe (laughs) um yeah so uh how we met do you want to say how we met how we met yeah um we first started talking through uh online dating this app was called hinge the app made to be deleted yeah <laughs> <laughs> um which ironically i don't think either of us have actually deleted it have we because we still keep getting notifications yes yeah yeah, yeah. it's still <laughs> just forgotten uh, to take it off <laughs> i think it's still on my on my play store like my apps but um yeah they keep sending <laughs> random messages <laughs> I don't know, Siobhan has matched with you. It's like, okay, Siobhan, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we met on there and started talking um, February last year. So yeah. just before the COVID madness happened. Yeah. Um, and then we just met in a pub in Hove and the rest is history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true, actually. Um, what were the chances of you meeting a black farmer in Sussex? <laughs> very, very minimal. <laughs> yeah, I must admit, um yeah when I moved down here and I I mean I didn't I didn't date a great deal actually when I left London and when I first moved but um being on the apps and stuff there weren't a great deal of black people or black men coming up on my search down here it was mostly if anyone did come up it was London or nearer to London yeah so well it was a bit of a surprise to see you to be honest yeah you know <laughs> pleasant surprise obviously there, I hope so in there presenting um I think Someone, someone did mention that this area, sort of Brighton and Hove, and um, uh, this East Sussex area, is probably the most, or one of the most underrepresented with um, regarding sort of black people mm. and other ethnic minorities in the country. It's not surprising. Um, yeah. So, like, like you say, the dating apps uh, were quite clear of that, and I think mm. I probably I mentioned this to uh the guys jamil and victor definitely a few years back that i i could have sworn that the apps were like i don't know rigged or something because there was there was times i was getting through weeks without getting a match and it's like not to blow my own trumpet i'm not that ugly so surely (laughs) i was thinking surely one day i could get something here but like you say if there's not many black people in the area and a lot of the girls or guys um having been exposed to black people so why would you randomly in the middle of i don't know in your 20s or whatever age just randomly think oh i'm gonna i'm gonna try and date that person so 
that have that explains it unless you're just curious or something yeah or like an experiment which yeah or it's a fetish yeah which is a question actually i know this will sound bad but this is a question i did ask nikki early on i was like look one have you been in a black guy before and two is it a fetish because i know that's a thing and i've probably been a victim not victim in that way but i've probably been subject to it before so i was quite on high alert on it um and i'm sure um there are other people out there that would would agree on that i'd say i was surprised when you asked me i'd never heard of that before so i didn't really, oh, really? yeah oh, okay i didn't really know what you meant but <laughs> well you live and learn so um next up i've made a little bit of a list to try and cover everything after listening to lynn and steph's and uh georgie and jamil's um pod so my next question to you nikki is what does race mean to you what does race mean to me and it's not all your mindset gets it going I guess it's tied in with a lot of things. It's not just what, you know, your skin colour, but your culture, where you're from, um, which is really important to a lot of people. Yeah. But it's everybody, I guess. Mm. It's a big part of who you are, isn't it, as a person? Yeah. yeah. Um, where you've grown up, probably different experiences. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say um, but it's the same for me. I think I'd, I'd find it hard now to... In- especially after what's gone on i'd find it hard to introduce myself especially if i'm talking on the phone mm-hmm. and i can't see someone i'd find it hard to introduce myself before slipping in there that like i'm a black person within the first five ten sentences because i feel like they need to know yeah um luckily or unluckily for me my name isn't that english mm, yeah so that always gives it away unless someone spells obiero with an apostrophe so people think i'm irish do people but, uh, ever ask you where you're from when they yeah. speak to you oh all the time so where are you from i'm like okay sometimes depending how i'm feeling if i can't be bothered i'd eke it out a bit say where do you mean where am i from as in originally or now and then they get thrown by that if i just say plumpton you get the look of mm, no you're not yeah i've had it in lewis in a pub before mm. someone saying oh you're not from plumpton are you i'm like well that's where i live so that's why i ask people originally or and then some of them I say, oh, I've seen Kenya on the telly. There's elephants, isn't there? And then yeah. <laughs> if I can be bothered, I'll carry on the conversation. If not, I'll just cut it. But yeah, people always ask. And I don't take offense to that. I think I like I like asking even other African people I meet to try and... Because I think you, you can find commonalities. Cause I remember uh, you said you get asked a lot here where you're from. Mm. And it's like, I, I said, oh, that must be weird as an English person being asked where you're yeah, from. Yeah, I think someone asked me that, didn't they? And you, yeah. you said, that's really weird. I've never heard. Yeah, I was like, uh, you're white. It's like, <laughs> you're home. And someone's asking you where you're from. So even that, going back... sound like a local. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> going back to that point we made earlier that Brighton Hive or East Sussex isn't that represented with mm. outsiders, we'll say now. Um they picked up on your accent straight away mm. and said, where are you from? And like I said, I found it. I've never had an English person be asked, where are you from? I guess they know a Mancunian accent, a Liverpudlian yeah. accent, Geordie. Yours, they didn't. They couldn't quite place it. And then you're like, I'm from Emil. <laughs> <laughs> and then, <laughs> um, I, I agree with you on the what race means um, as well. It is, it's, it's definitely more than just colour. Um, like for me being Kenyan being an African uh, being a black person living all the places I've lived 
that all defines mm. what you race is. Yeah. yeah. Because I think if we just look at it as a color, even us five guys are in a group on WhatsApp, mm. a South African, a Ugandan, a Ghanaian, a Zimbabwean, and a Kenyan, we've all had different experiences. If you did to group us as Africans, you'd probably go wrong because Jamil was born in London. I was born in Kenya. Lynn was born in South Africa. So we've all had different experiences. So yeah. like you say, race is definitely more than just... Or the, even the country you're from, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that leads us nicely into... Yeah, what what age did you first um, realise you were white? And that's not just... Uh, oh, look, I'm... Like... Yeah, what did you first realize your? Do you mean like race? when did I realize, like, um, sort of white privilege was a thing? Kind of is that what you mean? Or realize that I was in a different position to other people because of my because of being white? Yes, that's yeah. step two. I, I mean, I had, um, I wasn't in a massively mixed school. It was a predominantly white school. Okay. In my is class, it primary? no secondary school. So primary, no. primary, not that I can remember. Um, but okay. I went to a few different primary schools because we moved around a bit. Yeah. Um, middle school, same. I think it was predominantly white. Hemel is a bit nearer to London, so yeah. I think mm, I would say near Watford. So it's a bit yeah. more kind of mixed. But we had that I can remember one black boy and. Uh, two Asian boys but they were all in our class yeah I don't remember anyone else in the school they were all in our class and they were all sat they were sat together all the time how, I don't know if they chose to sit together or whether they were like put together how, which is what I think how big was. was the school it's a fairly big school thousand fairly big school um maybe not as big as that okay no, not like a London's so yeah yeah but yeah I can't maybe it was because they were in my class I remember maybe there were other kids in the school but I don't really remember there being but I don't remember it feeling like we were any different either mm. like it wasn't it wasn't like a i'm white you're black kind of yeah, thing yeah. at all i feel like um i don't know there was there's probably a bit more of a divide with sort of um more of a background like money kind of thing in my school yeah, i would say like, there's a lot of kids who were from quite deprived backgrounds yeah it wasn't really it didn't really matter whether you're white or black or do you see what i mean i didn't yeah, see yeah. myself as being particularly privileged because we yeah. didn't have a lot of money when i was growing up so I probably yeah. wouldn't have seen that mm-hmm. as a thing. Um, I don't think it really kind of became a thing for me until I got to uni. And again, predominantly white university, um, Staffordshire. Yeah. So not far from like Birmingham, places like that, but still yeah. from my memory, like predominantly white. Um, but one of my, my best friends there on my course was a black guy. So seeing his like experience of it was quite interesting. And that's when I think I first sort of started to realise, um, you know, like he, he was saying he was from Peckham and he was saying that he, out of all the people he knew at school or that he hung around with all of his friends, he was the only one who went to uni and his family couldn't really afford it. And it's only because he'd got a scholarship or something that yeah. he was able to go yeah. and made me realise like, shit, shit. you know, mm. I'm actually very lucky to be in this position. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting point you've made about the kids at your school, mm. the three lads sitting um, sitting together. So I, I found that when, when we moved to uh, Camberley when I was 15. When I went to school, um, there was an obvious divide with, I think we had about 800 kids at our school. Mm. 
and there was an obvious divide between there was a group in Nepalese uh, community so the guys and the girls always hang around together and then there was a group of uh, black girls who hung around together and then the few black guys would hang around to the black girls too mm. and then when you got to the white kids there was your emos your chavs yeah. your all these things I was like what's going on yeah, I'm like what yeah I was like what's going on oh, they, they've so got black you don't black. have that in Kenya like people no no no, no. different groups or anything I, I'd say now it's more it's been more westernized so people that have money will take their kids to private school mm. so they're all rich there or people with no money all the kids will go to like a uh, we'll call it is it public school or state school what's it called here public so it's free yeah yeah so, cool. so but then the the school i went to i had friends that didn't have shoes when we went to school mm-hmm. um i had some mates that had torn clothes i remember my mum helping out to get them um clothes i remember um people coming to school with a um like a not even a bag for life you know the five p bags yeah with your books in there and sometimes it's raining they get wet so but we're all mates and I, I'm still, I still talk to them on on um, on WhatsApp now because everyone's grown up, everyone's sort of made their own life. Yeah. But it was never a thing about um, about what sort of what group you are in society. And I remember we had two brothers who are half German, half Kenyan, and um, uh, they were in the same class as us. And I remember the uh, the eldest one used to get ripped into because. He couldn't say his R's properly. Mm. So instead of saying like, he'd go like, like, like a French person. So he was rip into whenever he was reading. But other than that, he was just one of us. Like mm. we, we didn't see that color. Also, we had some people that were um, Arab. So they were much lighter, much lighter than us. But there was nothing. Yeah. But I think, yeah, coming here as a teenager, you definitely realize, okay, there's a thing. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, initially... I was confused by it, but then as things have gone, even like last year, I can now see why people stuck to themselves um, uh, when they did. Like even my sister, um, uh, we've said I don't think she's got that many that many white friends because yeah. growing up, you are with people whose cultures align. So mm. a lot of our friends are either um, African, Caribbean, or um, uh, I'd say I think she's got a few friends that are Nepalese. So again, it's that culture that's you're different, but you've got a lot of things in common. Whereas, yeah. like white and black, a lot of times on the surface, it's just like chalk and cheese, yeah. really. It's interesting. I, I really don't remember it being a thing at school, but then, you know, I don't know what their experience was. Whether I just didn't ever see any kind of yeah, you know. But but it was as far as I was concerned, it was never even something we thought about or registered. And when uh, when you're at uni. Um, and then you realised uh, about the white privilege. How did it make you make you feel? Did you feel like, why am I experiencing, or why have I got white privilege, and do I need to do something about this to help people that don't? I or? mean, I don't think I really, really would have known what to do. Or, or maybe I just felt like it was his his only his it was he was the only person I'd spoken to who had that experience. I guess yeah. so. I think it just that's just what kind of opened my eyes to wow actually i'm really lucky and yeah. realizing there was people there you know not that living not that far away from me who couldn't afford couldn't go to uni because i couldn't afford it or yeah you know like that there was obviously an issue there 
Um, but I think the first time I probably realised or I saw racism on like a massive scale, it wasn't actually in this country. Mm. Um, it was when I went to Australia. Yeah. Um, which I wasn't expecting at all. I didn't really know that much. You see like adverts of Australia, don't you, on the TV of like, Aboriginal people and you just think that's what it's like. Yeah. And and then I got there and um, I spent quite a lot of time in the outback in the end and I worked near some of the like worst reservations in Australia, um, Aboriginal reservations, yeah. and saw with my own eyes really like colonialism because obviously it's really shocking when you see how these people live and like they're they're obviously very they've lost their culture and um they live in poverty really and it's you know learning not only not only seeing that but also seeing like what white australians kind of opinions of them were and how strong the racism was it was all just really shocking for me because i was only like 22 Mm. then so that was straight off the back of uni um and that's when i think my eyes got really opened shit um and yeah and i mean really if you sort of go right back it was us that did that you know colonialism is is, it was it it wasn't you know white australians are continuing that racism on but ultimately it started with us so talking to a lot of people um especially there was one guy who owned the cattle station he'd been there his whole life and sort of seen with his own eyes kind of what had happened to these people and was telling me a lot about it. And I, I was really lucky, in a sense, that I got to learn all of that stuff because I think a lot of people just go to Australia, go up the East Coast, get yeah. drunk for two weeks and On come beach, home. yeah. You know, so I feel like I sort of... I wouldn't say I was lucky, but, I mean, I feel privileged to, like, have had that experience and been able to take that away and sort of tell people about it as well. Yeah. Because I don't think a lot of people realise that about Australia. Yeah, and I think for you as a person and knowing you, you've always seemed to have, you always try and push the boundary and like, why, why, why? And I think a lot of people in this in this society now, people are so quick to bury their head, their head in the sand mm. and just move on because it's easy, it's not thought-provoking and you just carry on their life because it's not affecting you. Mm. We know people firsthand. Some of them are mates slash acquaintance or been dropped down to acquaintances um, some people I work with that they know issues exist. They choose not to address them because it doesn't affect them directly or they'll choose to interpret it in a way that makes them feel good about it and then they mm-hmm. just go on. But like you say, um, yeah, it must have been pretty tough for you to um, sort of hear that and know that you're from a country that yeah. way back when exactly did that. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of really awful things done, and you know it was it, it was all done by 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 the English, really. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, I mean that was a massive eye opener, and then I think I've just always kind of carried that with me, really, in any any kind of situations where I don't mean like injustice anyway, as you know, but like yeah. any situation where, um, like then obviously moving to London later on, I guess I was just very aware of it. Yeah. A lot more than I would have been. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd say you're definitely more... Well, last year I opened my eyes to a lot of things and I've been more open to it. But I think you're definitely more... How should I put it? Your antennas... Well, comparisons to insects now. Your antennas <laughs> are definitely... Your your racism radar, subtle or not, is definitely more... It's higher than mine. Because where whether I've built myself a thick skin, I think... Um, Jamil mentioned something like this on one of his Chelsea um, podcast things that um, you sort of almost build or make yourself have a thick skin to try and avoid feeling shit all the time mm. and anything that comes to you treat it as a hurdle and dodge it or jump over it 
But then I think because you're from a place of, we're going to say, privilege, because that's what it is. Yeah. Um, and you've got the conscience to see and notice injustice, you can sort of make or take it upon you to be like, okay, anytime I see this, I'm going to bring it up. But then for me, if I think, okay, anytime I see it, I'm going to bring it up, then I've got to explain myself. Mm. And then it's like, you live it every day. I'm just like, right, okay. Yeah. Whereas for you, because you don't associate with thick people, I'm going to call them thick people, or ignorant people, you probably don't experience those chats or those comments often. But when you do, you do face them head on. Yeah, I mean, I would say the only kind of, sadly, the only people that I think that I come up against those kind of conversations with or arguments with is probably my family. Yeah. Um, not, I mean, obviously you've met my parents. Yeah, they're yeah, not, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. I'm not saying they're racist. People, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. they definitely have opinions and have said things to me about, say, immigrants or something like that. Yeah. That I... And I know that it's part of me. My head is like, they're my parents. I shouldn't, you know, I know I'm going to get into an argument with them about it. Yeah. But I will still fight the corner because I just can't, I can't yeah. sort of let them to say things like that. But then I think what, what you face your parents and uh, you know my parents, now you've met them more than once. And they're quite, they're African. Like mm. they've lived here 15, mum 15 years like me, dad 16 years. They are African through and through, Kenyan. Kikuyu, Luo, and there's aspects of society that is changing or are changing that mm. they will never change, i.e. Um, like with um, uh, the LGBT community. Mm. They've been brought up in a religious background, Christian background, African background, and certain views they've got of LGBT community are probably less severe to what happens back home, like let's say like somewhere like Uganda, where you get imprisoned for being gay. But their views compared to ours, let's say mine or my sisters, are would differ completely. And we'd have arguments on the table. You know how my dad loves a good mm. challenge. You would go blue in the face. You're not gonna change their view. And I think there's some things so long as your parents love you, your parents respect you, and so long as they know where you stand like for me I'll tell them what I think even with this racism issue like I've had arguments about them or about it on the table cried a few times I'm so pissed off and there's nothing you can do Mm. they're your parents you can't change them because them not growing up here they don't see racism as we do who've been brought here as teenagers Mm. when they're working in hospital in uh, hospitals or um, uh, I don't know wherever people work they might not have experienced it the same way a 15-year-old or 10-year-old would have experienced it. So, us talking to them about it, like, um, uh, how was it? Um, Joy Joy, um, Lynn and Java mentioned before, and Victor, that there's no point in talking to your mum or dad about it because they just don't get it. I think the thing for my parents is as well, they haven't had much, um, haven't really met that many people from other countries yeah. or other cultures. Yeah. Um, I mean, not that I'm aware of anyway, not in all my growing up. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're, that's why my first boyfriend, my first black boyfriend when I moved to London, yeah. I mean, I remember feeling the need to tell them that he was black before they met him. Yeah. Um, I, don't think, I don't think I thought they were going to be racist at all or that it would be an issue. I just, I don't know what it was. I felt the need to tell them to before tell they them. saw him face to face. Yeah. But it was never an issue remotely. Yeah. And um, no, it never has been. Yeah, so for me as well, like 
if even to this day, even when I um I met you, um and I told my mom, my mom did ask me, is she from here? And it's that it's that sly, it's that sly mm. question of like instead of just saying with your chest like someone like Uncle Uncle um Baba Tunde, George uh George I hate Baba Tunde. Like George would just say with it say it with your chest, mm. is she white or whatever? Mum would be like, um, is she from this country or is she from here? And I know exactly what she's asking. I was like, yes. And then you just talk. When I was at school, mum worked as a teaching assistant at my school. So through my teenage years, well, 16, 17, 18, 19, yeah, 19 as well. Um, mum was always anti-English girls because the one she saw at my school, a school which I'd like to say that, was potentially or nearly got shot at one point so it's not really the best example but the way she saw the behavior of some of the girls there she was like i am not having my son be associated with the girls like these yeah and then i remember as i grew up went to uni yeah yeah (laughs) went to uni met a white girl um went home anyway blah 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 blah. i kept telling my mom that you do realize that not all white girls are like this Mm. but as she's lived here longer she's probably more hi my sister put more english than me and my dad are now whereas at the start she was so like oh we moved this new country blah 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 which you can expect um mm-hmm. for a mother trying to protect her kids but uh yeah I, I always feel the need well i won't need to anymore with a bit of luck uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i always feel the need that if i if i've met someone before even to my sister i'll say it's a white girl or whatever mm. and Again, is it something that's been ingra- like in ingrained, ingrained, in and ingrained? English is tricky here. Let's go with ingrained. <laughs> um, has been ingrained in us that even when you're speaking to your friends, you always have to say this, like, yeah. "Oh, I'm dating someone that's why." I I'm think dating. I've only ever said that with my parents the first time. Yeah. And then when I've had relationships since then, I haven't felt the need to say anything. Yeah. I guess. And what was the? Um, at the experience of the guy the first time he met your parents was he was he nervous or actually did he know that you told your parents that i'm going out with x and he's black um i think he asked me yeah i think he said to me have you told your parents that, that i'm that i'm mixed well he's mixed race actually but he said have you, have you told my your, your parents and well, I so said, he's yeah not... and it wasn't i don't think we had any further conversation other than that yeah, but so I he think wasn't... maybe he was nervous about a potential reaction if i hadn't said anything yeah um, but like I say, it was never, never brought up again. See, that's the thing I find even with like the term black, like when you're, when you're filling in forms and stuff, when you're taking black African, black Caribbean, blah, blah, blah. The way the races is, or the way races are distinguished. You look at someone like me. Um, so in, like I said, again, I refer to the guys, me, Jamil, Lynn, Victor, Jojo. We all like a, I'd say we like a Julex chair, like mm. <laughs> color wise. Lynn's fairly light, but he's still cut glasses black. Look at Meghan Markle. Mm. She's like, yeah. she, she's glasses black. Mm-hmm. Me, Team Darkskin, and Jamel, shout out Jamel. <laughs> I'm not forgetting. <laughs> We're both in Team Darkskin together. I'm black, and there are people that make me look light. I've got relatives that are mm. black, black, like as boys would say, under the bed black, black. <laughs> so we're all classes one. Yeah. So when sometimes in the black race where you get colorisms like um 
here in like in the modeling industry black girls sometimes at castings are pushed to one side and mixed race or light skinned girls are mm. pushed forward or even you see on social media light skinned girls giving shit to black girls yeah, and vice versa probably because and the people think, that are at the top of the whether it's fashion or whatever it is makeup or these com- people that own the companies trying to sell us all the stuff it's all this eurocentric you know lighter skin is more attractive and that's the stuff that we get fed all the time subliminally through you know advertising and all that kind of stuff that's what needs to change really isn't it yeah and i th- or also um i think it still goes on but there was a phase um in in africa of g- ladies bleaching their skin I think it still that goes on in now. Like yeah. I've got a, I've got an auntie, um, and a few other relatives that bleach their skin because it's deemed to be better looking, and yeah, and it's just like, well, if, even was it not a few years ago, less than five years ago, when the, um, there was a makeup range for dark skin? Yeah, it's very new. Yeah, it's only only it's happened in the last, I don't know, five years or something. That even like foundations and makeup has been actually been made for black skin or different colors other than white really it's a joke isn't it i know it's ridiculous it's like okay even that different shades of white well no exactly how many (laughs) many (laughs) it just doesn't make any sense it's insane Um, it's insane and then so we've gone around a bit there covered a few things on my my list tangent didn't we no no, it's it's all good it's all relevant um the other thing is, what what are your thoughts of um, racism in England? Because uh, following last year, uh, Black Lives Matter, and they literally, it could be a tagline, we're not as bad as the US, yeah. you know? What, yeah, what are your thoughts of that? Um, I think, well, obviously I mentioned Australia earlier. Yeah. I don't think I've ever experienced anything of that scale here, just because... Um, I guess it just doesn't exist on the same way but I think is op- I think the BLM stuff definitely opened my eyes to how many people are still racist in this country yeah um, and do uh, sort of I don't know a lot of people shying away from the whole conversation don't want to talk about it yeah um, which to me sort of suggests that it's still an issue mm. even if you don't if you don't want to speak up about it yeah you'd rather just you know like you said, stick your head in the sand. Yeah, and I think it's um, it's that thing of what's that phrase you use? Uh, like a um, it's like a is it stiff upper lip? Can yeah. you use it in this? Yeah, yeah. So like, if, if something's uncomfortable and you don't want to show emotions, but you just don't talk about yeah, it. Yeah, it's quite. British and I think that it, it's such a British thing. And mm-hmm. I think out of I love a lot of things about it about the British and the culture. I wouldn't be here fifteen years if I didn't. But I think. One thing that is, say, prevalent here is sugarcoating, where someone means something, but the way they sugarcoat it, lace it with chocolate and all this outside, but deep down, just under the skin there, you know the actual message is in, but they cover it up with other things to make it like it's fine. I guess that's probably why it's been... or in this country a lot of people that don't look deeper into the issue think it doesn't exist yeah um, or they probably just think I think if you ask a lot of people in this country they would all be all say oh I don't I don't really think racism exists here or racism isn't a thing but that's probably but that's because they've never experienced it yeah. unless they've got 
people in their lives that do experience it and share that with them, then they would be completely clueless. But I mean, even like I said to you, I don't find, I wouldn't say my parents are racist, but my mum was sharing stuff, if you remember. Yeah, during that time. Me and her had yeah, a fallout about it because I came in she and shared something properly. about slavery and she thought it was something that had been uh, from one of the sort of Britain first pages on Facebook or something. And she just reshared it without even thinking, which she has done a few times. And it was completely factually wrong and just been twisted. Um, but she thought she like, she thought the point of what she was sharing was like really positive, and I was like, no, this is not yeah. positive at all. You can't you just yeah. can't say yeah. stuff like this. So I think some of it is ignorance as well. Mm-hmm. It's just not having an understanding of the situation or having an understanding of what's really going on. Yeah, and I don't know, lack of education maybe. I don't know. Yeah, because it's the same when when um, I did the article in Farmers Weekly. And some of those comments, one of the guys uh, there said, um, uh, like, I work on a farm in Southwest or Somerset Way. Um, and we always have Polish people working for Oh, He even referred to them as Poles. He said, oh, we always have Poles coming working for us. I- I'm not racist. I've never seen anything like it. And I'm like, okay, first of all, do you know that a Polish person and you have the same color? Mm-hmm. So unless you're talking about xenophobia, which is... A step down or part of racism you wouldn't have experienced it and i think it's that bit like you say the understanding of racism because a lot of people think racism is george floyd r.i.p mm. to them that's racism yeah being shot by police that's racism yeah being hung like when it used to happen yeah during slavery days to them that's race racism but like crossing the road because you've seen someone or a black guy walking towards you on the street. What's that? Or well, um, even racist jokes, because I think that's the yeah, other thing. People yeah. just seem to think that if they make a joke out of something, they can say it, and then it, you know, it's not racist. It's just funny, like trying to have a joke with you in the pub or something. Yeah, yeah. But actually, uh, not realizing that they're being offensive. Yeah, which is what people call casual racism. And but I'm it's think, not an excuse, you know. Even no. if you're not educated, you can educate yourself. In this day and age, if you don't understand racism, we don't understand what's going on. Yeah. You can educate yourself. How easy is it to just Google something? Yeah, Google's or, free as well. You know, yeah. Research. Read um, a book. And I think if if well not if racism is seen as a crime, really, because it's well, a form of discrimination. Mm. You, you can't discriminate you can't not employ someone because they're black. So yeah. it, it, it's not legal to do that. So the fact that the term casual racism is a thing mm. when I've I've never heard of um casual robbery. I've never heard of casual rape. I've never heard of, um, I don't know, casual killing. So if we're seeing racism as a crime and it's wrong, then casual racism shouldn't exist at all. Yeah. But and a point Lynn made the other day, which was quite interesting, is how some comedians, let's say black comedians, can make jokes about, so like us in a group, I'll rip into um, Jojo being Ghanaian for whatever things Ghanaians are stereotyped mm. to do. Yeah. Um, same way like here, a Geordie rip and Southern and Southern yeah, Ferris, yeah. Northern yeah, Monkeys, yeah. blah, blah, yeah. blah. And then you've got, I can rip into Lynn or Lynn will rip into um, Vic from Zimbabwe, Jamil from Uganda. So are we saying that by um, talking about casual racism and, and making jokes about race, would like, would we then remove all that? Because that's what Lynn was saying. Like, yeah. would it be a thing that comedians aren't allowed then to make these jokes like that or is it a case of 
if a black person makes it, then it's fine because they're talking about themselves. But then I don't know. It, I don't it's know. A I was weird. Say, one, like, it? is it the point when it becomes offensive or not? But then I suppose that differs between each person. Yeah. So yeah. like somebody could say something to you and as a joke, and it might not offend you, but yeah. you could say something to somebody else, and it would be. So it's yeah, yeah, it's a tricky, tricky one. I think until until the everyday life racism ends. Mm which I don't know when that will be. We won't be here, I don't think. But until that everyday life racism ends is when it will probably be seen as fully okay to joke about things because mm. for at the moment, as we speak, we can make jokes that are borderline racist, say in a white audience and people laugh because it's a black comedian making it. Yeah. But there are people living their life every day experiencing that on a serious note. Mm. So I think for me, um, uh, when Lin Lance mentioned it, we never got the bottom of it, but I've thought, I've thought about it a few times and I think that bit of when day-to-day racism ends and everyone's on an equal page, that will be, I don't know, the year 3010 maybe. Um, when that happens, then we can joke about things, I think, freely maybe. I won't be there to worry about it, so yeah. it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, BLM, how we got this far without mention? Oh, I think you did mention it. So last year, um, May, I can't remember the exact date, uh, George Floyd, RIP, passed away or was killed by a police officer. And that created hell across the world. Everyone was protesting, um, kicking up a fast, blah, 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 rightfully so. Um, and I remember, obviously, we, we live um, near Brighton. And Brighton's fairly, fairly liberal, isn't it, Brighton? Yeah. It's got pockets of, is it left or right? Uh, what do you mean? I said oh. far left or far right. I, I, I can never know that, what they mean in politics. Like, far right say, is like uh, National Front, yeah, okay. Britain First and all they're, that stuff. Yeah. yeah. They're well, right-handed. Who is it? Uh, what's that group that we... ADL. ADL. We yeah. came across them a bit, didn't we? So, um... Nick, um, some of Nicky's friends messaged and said, look, there's a protest going on in Bright Peaceful Protest because that was mm. lock, deep lockdown one, wasn't it? Yeah. And he's like, okay, this is this, let's go. So I, I've never been to, I'd never been to a protest before and I've always been against it because like activism and um, a protesting is always seen as like the way people see like vegans, I'd say. It's always seen as uncool in a way, yeah. I'd say. So I've always thought in my head, I'm not going to, I'm not taking a day off work. I think it depends on your background and where you come from, because I think maybe me and like some of the circles of friends that I've got mm. are all about that, mm-hmm. <laughs> that activism and um, sort of speaking up and stuff. Cause I think we're probably made a society to think that it's, you know, it's like I was saying to you about the tree huggers and yeah. it's that thing of trying to kind of stop us from thinking too much about that kind of stuff or making it not seem acceptable. But actually, I think it's really important. I'm going off on a different point no, here. No, but <laughs> no, it's fine. But it's like how I always try and... I champion British farming and British mm. produce. That could be seen as, a, as an activist, couldn't it? Because I'm, I want this cause and I'm always pushing it, which yeah. is the same less like Extinction Rebellion, wanting change of how we, uh, um, how we farm fossil yeah. fuels, ETC yeah. and stuff like that. So at the point it's trying to make is how, like you just said there, society has made it seem as a wrong thing because you're not going along the norm i.e. have a I think it's quite common in London though I mean I was always going to protests and things and marches and stuff in London it's like 
quite a quite a common thing to do and a lot of people get involved in london as well so maybe yeah. if you haven't really lived there i think yeah. outside of london maybe maybe not in the last 12 months yeah but prior to that yeah that's you'd true always, you'd see protests and stuff on the tv and it's always it tends to be london whereas obviously in the last year and with the blm stuff that was a lot more widespread i think yeah it was everywhere even villages like even when where our friend ben lives in mm. hereford they yeah. they had um protests there so yeah so nikki got told that there's this peaceful protest going on in brighton blah blah blah. and i was like right okay do you know what out of all things i could protest about but protest protest <laughs> you know what i mean um this is one thing that i can go and do it and my stubbornness inside me that said it will never do it ever i can justify that You've in my head you never told me that I had. I don't think you did. I don't know. I, I know. You, you, yeah, I, you just I, seem quite reluctant. Like, I think yeah, I was sharing that, it and I couldn't understand why. Yeah, you that was why. Go. I, I've never been one to sort of go out and, and parade and shout stuff. Partly but because. It wasn't that kind of yeah, protest, was it? it was yeah, I know. But I mean. Quiet and. To a certain degree. I like the ones in Bristol. Mm. People going and causing havoc. like a riot, yeah. That's what I mean. That in my head, even in Kenya. Mm when uni students protest in kenya the army's out with yeah. water cannons mm-hmm. you get blasted so whether growing up seeing that i've always thought a riot or a protest or going out on the street as a group is seen as wrong so you don't do it so whether in in my subconscious mm. if that's the thing i don't know but i've always been of i'm i'm never going to go out waste my time doing that. but like i said this one i was like look this is something that affects me maybe i've not had these experiences as much as other people but it's something that affects people like me mm-hmm. and i can face it too anyway so we got to brighton a bit it was about or an hour late because one african time two i was working at this had to feed the pigs first and when when we got to brighton we parked up trying to walk and find where the crowds were um we ended up walking to there's a war memorial in brighton somewhere and is it near the pavilion mm-hmm. pavilion gardens pavilion and a group of a far right group uh, i know you mentioned them once i don't want to advertise them um <laughs> they were guarding a war memorial uh which obviously fought against um the nazis back in the day but they were doing the nazi salute and that in itself you just think okay what's going on here and so we got closer to see what's going on and I've never been around people like that before. And then you could see um, police everywhere, blah, blah, blah. And then I think that's... Oh, yeah. I, I was start walking towards the beach, didn't we? Because we're like, we just go get a drink and yeah. just sit. Because uh, at the peaceful march at the end of this point. And we were... I would say it's not surrounded in the sense of we stopped. And so we were walking on the, on the pavement and there was about five or six guys of this group and obviously i had a black lives matter top and a placard nikki had one as well and they were saying comments i can't remember exactly what comments were clearly comments looking to incite a reaction from one of us and i was just like please not today please not today and i think i said to you after it's probably the most unsafe i felt in this country before mm-hmm. in since 2006 when i moved here it's the most unsafe i felt and I think um, the next the next one we went to when we went and sat in the park and people were talking, there was a stage and that someone from that far right group came up and said, following the first ones, 
he went and educated himself. Um, it was only like a three-week turn, less than mm-hmm. a month turnaround. Yeah. And he said he understands why the protests are happening, understands um, the need for equality, and he left that group. And he just thinking, okay, so mm-hmm. these people aren't empty heads. They've got these things in there. Yeah. Whether it's grey matter or... But it is whether you go and educate yourself about it, like yeah. he obviously did. Um, a lot yeah. of people don't do that. And it's that that point you made earlier about ignorance. It is... Mm. That's that's the biggest thing. I know there's a saying, ignorance is bliss, but it's also a disease because yeah. it, it creates so much um, animosity for nothing, I'd say. Um, but yeah, I think uh, if it wasn't for you, push me to go to it i wouldn't have gone and i probably would have regretted it now mm. um but it's definitely a thing that off off the back of that if i believe in something now especially this race um issue or equality issue especially in in village life we're in mm-hmm. um and in farming i'll push it as long as i'm involved in it i'm gonna push it till i die because well, what's the point being someone of that group and not making your voice heard in a group of people that you're not represented um, well enough. Yeah, I think the main thing is just to speak up, isn't it, really? Yeah. And that's yeah. what I always try to do. Yeah. Um, Whether it triggers people or not, that's a different story. Mm. Um, and then, this is this will be an interesting question. As a white lady... Miss Independent. Yeah. <laughs> brown points or brownie points, brown points, brownie points. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever experienced experienced discrimination as a white lady in your life? Um, I've experienced like a problem for being English, but not okay. for the color of my skin necessarily. A problem for being English? Um, when I was in Scotland. Um, Years ago, really? yeah, me and my ex then were in Scotland for in Edinburgh for New Year's, and we were at a, con- a concert. Really innocent. We'd had a few. We were having a few drinks, just me and him. And there was a bunch of like Scottish girls near us, and they heard our accent or heard my accent, heard me speaking, and started like bashing into me, like chucking drink on me. Like we, no had, to move, we had to move away because it started getting really aggressive. Um. So that's and. I mean, I didn't speak to them at all. Nothing had happened. There was no other reason for them to do it aside yeah. from the fact that we weren't we weren't Scottish, I guess. I mean, that was my interpretation of it. But, um, I mean, aside from that, not really, no. I mean, I've travelled a lot in sort of Asia and things like that. And I would say... Um, it's not really discrimination, I guess, but they see you differently, obviously, because you're not from there and you're a tourist... And mm. I've been taken advantage of, definitely, yeah. for, like, being white. Yeah. Because, you, you know, they think they assume you've got money straight away. Yeah. Um. So. Do you think, Um. firstly, this, the, uh, the incident with the Scots. Mm. Um, I've always had Scottish, uh, very friendly people. I guess it's just that was always my That's always <laughs> been my experience yeah. that one time. But, yeah. yeah, it was quite I scary. think with, with something like that, especially if you were to look at, um, history, and I know a lot of people don't like going back to history, especially the ones that get triggered when you talk about bad things about history, but we can't mm. plan the future without knowing the past, mm. I think. So, when you look at it from a colonialist point of view, yeah. the English 
across the whole world there uh-huh. was one point they had autonomy of most of the world yeah so whether now that things are changing the scales are shifting like you've got more than one powerhouse in 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 the world and like the uk and and us are literally just part of it now you got china you got japan um and do you think that in these these places you've, you've visited let's say like asia they've they know there's a perception of english people mm. um there's a perception of what english people are like and for, from their from their angle they're probably being ignorant as well because like let's say as as a kenyan before i moved here as a teenager i thought all english kids are going to be soft yeah i get here kids on skateboards grazing their knees on tarmac and just carrying on i'm like um i've not lived that life yes i've been i don't know getting malaria for fun and um uh climbing trees and carding cows but this is like, this is a different um a different kind of thing and i think yeah. um the it's not so much reverse racism but i think all i'd say all cultures have stereotypes and ignorances about other cultures i'd say yeah um i mean i can't blame those countries that i went to as a tourist for treating me like that really because that's their been their experience of us yes yeah. as, as english people or as white people going to their country yeah uh, because if you think also uh from a colonial level the english would turn up like let's like in kenya it's like okay um we've got this culture here they're worshiping trees um right how do we get to them we'll give them this they don't have this they don't have this they don't have this given religion give them some money and that's always been per- uh-huh. perpetuated so like, even in kenya now there was a stage where if a young lad was to get with a an english lady your parents would think you've made it it's like, oh mm-hmm. come on you can get our family out, out of poverty now because you've got with a white person and we have family members now even in Kenya, I've got cousins that would mess with me. So, oh, can I? Can you lend me some money? Yeah. Like, do you know where I'm living? Do you know the cost of living yeah. in this country? Yeah. I would rather be in Kenya, earn a bit less than what I'm earning now, and I'd be living smooth compared to here, whereas you're earning a lot, but your outgoings are even up there. Yeah. So, I think with these um, countries where they have a perceived notion of the english of everyone being rich when yeah, they're not necessarily I think, but we are still we probably are still if not richer necessarily at the time yeah still more privileged i guess yes so yeah yeah, yeah. so it's almost thinking that. yeah yeah um it's almost um oh, i can't think of the word it's almost allowed for them to think like that i mean yeah um but it's interesting you you had that experience in scotland i thought it would have been like I don't yeah. know. No, it's a Thailand or well, something. No, not. I don't think I've ever had experienced anything like that anywhere else. Actually. And did that? Because was this after you had that realization of white privilege at uni when you went to Scotland? Yes. Yeah. So did that? Obviously not at that moment because you're probably just looking to get to safety before you get bottled. Yeah. But when you think back at that moment, the feeling you had, do you, does that help you understand? when someone from an ethnic background not necessarily black it could be asian it could be um uh trying to think of yeah i mean i definitely i actually do you know the only other time funnily enough now i think about it that i felt similar to that was when i was in belfast with sarah 
which was not last year, the year before, but all the Brexit stuff was going on. And we went to a bar. Ah, okay. And they were playing, there was a band and they started playing all this music that was like really anti-Brexit and anti-England and stuff. And I was, we, and me and Sarah looked at each other and we were like, shit, we're like really in the wrong place right now. And then suddenly we found that we didn't really want to speak. We didn't want to talk. We didn't want to ask for a drink at the bar because we didn't want people to know we were English or hear our accent because shit. we didn't want to get any trouble. Yeah. So it's weird because, I, yeah, I guess so. I guess I have felt like that in a sense both times. Um, but it's one thing trying to hide your accent or whatever, but it, yeah. if it's the colour of your skin at the end of the day, you can't. It's hard, you can't, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but that's the only, only kind of similar experience I can yeah. Like, yeah. draw on, really. And I think my dad's my dad said before that, um, I don't know if you were there um, when he said that, um, he says a lot of things, but he said before that as a white person you don't even need to speak you land anywhere away from home mm. and straight away you've got an advantage literally you don't even have to speak you see your skin color and people notice that you're caucasian not not even english caucasian because mm. you could be yeah. german you could be and i remember noticing this when i first moved here at 15 and we first went to kenya in 2008 and when we moved here one of mum's friends or one of our family friends who now lives in Oxford, um, a doctor, joked and said, you're going to experience the real English now when you, when mm. you go there because all of them were all educated, um, Cambridge, Oxford, Harvard and stuff, mm -hmm. the researchers. And when we came here, all the different accents, like your London one, like, you all right? And what that always does. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't understand. And then... He slowly, I slowly learned about the different social structure. You got working class, middle class. Mm. What's that? Is it is it upper class or not? Working middle, yeah, upper, upper class. and then That's celebrity, really. and then aristocrats because they're at the top, aren't they? Yeah. Then you got mega rich or whatever. But I remember going back to Kenya. Uh, it was that first time we went, and we at the airport. And if you're a black person, just come through. You just that's like luggage come on and these are your fellow countrymen doing this mm. and then a white family comes through and he's like oh excuse me taxi taxi this is this and then i hear them speak i'm like excuse me do you yeah. know these people have eaten ha branston not even heinz they've mm. eaten branston and bread for months before they can get this holiday and you're treating them better than me because they're that color and i think from mm. that day yeah tying into what dad said that they the color is a big thing. Yeah, yeah. Like even in Kenya, if we were to walk into a bar together, or, um, yeah, together, the looks we'd get from guys and girls, they'd look at me differently because, oh, you're with a white person, so you must have money. And another time I experienced this was I went to Kenya in 20, 2015 or 2016, no, 2018. And there was a rugby tournament on the beach at the mm. south coast and i remember we played we played rugby in the day in like a band at night and we were at the bar there at this um sort of sea resort and i was with my friends um tony and eric that live in kenya when I, was a, I was a kid we were at the bar waiting for like 15 minutes because it was, it was packed i'm like okay mm. i'll just wait kenyans don't queue they just budge in and go this white lady comes across and they're like, oh, madam, can I help? I was like, in Swahili, I was like, what? I was like, what's going on? Even that lady said said to the guy, he was here first. So serve him first. And I said mm -hmm. to him, I said, we're from the same country. 
you're going to that lady because she's white and you think she's going to tip you. You know I'm not going to tip you because you're Kenyan like I am and you're not serving me first. He didn't know what to say. But that's, it's been, again, this word, ingrained yeah. in us since colonial times that a white person is better than a black person. Yeah, or in that situation, it's white equals money, always. Yes. Yeah, regardless yeah, yeah. of whether, like you said, you see a family and until you hear them speak, you might assume that they were wealthy because they were white. But yeah. It's not and necessarily the case. I like. I, I remember telling my friends like, it's not. The UK isn't just money. No. Like we found out with when COVID happened, like in America, the poverty in America mm. you will not believe, and it's, it's really seen as a country yeah. of dreams, isn't it? Yeah. You go there and you become this, 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 and it's like. Mm. I've seen some of the worst poverty I've ever seen in America. Like even compared to Asia. Yeah. Like people living on the streets and stuff. It's And yet you compare that to like back home for me, I see street kids with a smile on their face. Mm. And yet here you can have someone with a house, with a family, and they're stressed to death. Yeah. And you just think So yeah. We've um yeah, we've gone a few, on a few roundabouts there. We've digressed. Yeah, seriously. So <laughs> To wrap up, I can see the timer's hitting the hour mark. Um, to wrap up, what do you think could be done to improve race relations in England and the rest of the world? Um, well, I think probably education. Like we've been saying, if ignorance is the main reason for these opinions existing in the first place, um education but i think that's not just education about other cultures and other countries but probably education about um our history and things that we've done what yeah, yeah yeah i agree that's stuff that wants people want to brush under the carpet mm-hmm. obviously mm-hmm. um you know history of slavery and things like that i think it's important for people to know what's really gone on yeah yeah um i agree with you wholeheartedly um i'd add on to that as well exposure yeah because more integration really but yeah i'm not quite sure how you'd how you'd necessarily do that i know how we do that um get a family of ethnic background just plonk them in a village somewhere in the middle of oh there's a thing that did that didn't they they put it oh what's her name's family in the masai mara scarlet moffat that's it yeah Yeah. but probably i haven't watched that though actually no we need to watch i can't remember what was on but i mean probably more like not just a stage very extreme situation and that's more just for tv value that's not about educating anyone i would say from what we can do as civilians peasants um is from the exposure side of things, like doing that um, uh, farmer time thing, or when we do um, farming in the future, just get as many kids as possible from all backgrounds mm. to visit the farm and see. Look, yeah. a farmer doesn't have to be farmer Giles with a tweed top and a flat cap and talking like it's from Somerset, because even yeah. white people have that perception of farmers that yeah. oh, you're going to be talking like a wurzel, and it's like the more people see the more you get used to something. Like, mm. for me, I remember when I first moved to Brighton, seeing same-sex couples, or not not even, first time coming to the UK, hearing and t- talking about LGBT community, to me, I was like, mm, I'm, I don't understand this. What's going yeah. on? Because I've always yeah. been brought up either in a, or community, I lived for 12 years in Mombasa. The coast was predominantly Muslim, had 
uh, Christians, both Catholic and Protestants. We had Hindus, we had Buddhists. Ah, oh, not Buddhists actually. Yeah. So you had so many different cultures, nothing to do with it. So everything. All those cultures was mm. heterosexuality. Yeah. So coming here and seeing homosexuality and being how or seeing how accept more accepted than there, not because it's not fully accepted here either. No. But the the community here forgets that yes. they're probably. 20 or 30 years ahead of some some of the other countries that they're yeah. castigating for not accepting homosexuality. Mm. So they need to sort out their own issues here. But yeah, I remember seeing and thinking, hmm, okay, I don't understand this. Went to uni, met a few friends that helped me um, understand the rationale, but not rationale behind it because it's not like a formula, but just know that one, people can do what they want. Two, everyone's human obviously and three you don't have to judge someone by what sexuality they are or who who they're attracted to yeah so that could be applied to race as well really yeah. if you met if people had more integration and met more people from different backgrounds you just realize we're all the same which is ultimately yeah. the point isn't it yeah that's it and i think it even comments like oh i've got a like pharmacy or i've got a black man's pinch it's like okay you pinch me or I'll pinch you and you'll see you're going to go pink and I'm going to go different color. So that's not a black man's pinch, is it? Mm. Or when I did that first aid course and they're saying, oh, if you see someone passed out, they're going to go blue. I was like, um, I'm not mm. going to go blue. Yeah, I'll be dead by the time you realize I need checking up if you're waiting for me to go blue. So, yeah, I think exposure. And I've, I've noticed probably two years now on TV it's pushed in people's faces and I've seen comments, i.e. the Christmas advert where people are saying, why is it a black family? What have white families yeah, done? Yeah. It's got to a point now, you need to force people to see it because people burying their head in the sand, I think that's a quote of this podcast, <laughs> burying your head in the sand. Um, people are doing that and refusing to see things but if you force, force them, to like when you're driving in the road and you see a 50 mile an hour sign, you can't hide from it, it's there. You ignore it, then it's a choice. So if you're seeing a black farm all the time, blah, 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 or um, a lady CEO, or I don't know, a disabled footballer, blah, 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 all these things that people see in society that shouldn't exist, the more you see it, the more it will think. More female presidents, things like that. More black presidents. Um, So, yeah, education, exposure, integration. Well summarised. Nice. We out. (laughs) Done. Thanks, Nikki. Thanks, DT.